0: Hey guys, this is Steph and I'm the host of the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. For those of you who listen regularly, you know that I try to kind of update you guys on our life a little bit because I know that some of you guys are following our foster care journey. There is no new news. Um, last Last week's episode was the latest news that we have as far as foster care goes, but I will say that my oldest just had his last basketball game this past Saturday and our family has decided to take the spring off of any and all sports. And for those of you with young kids, just reaching the age of sports and activities, you know, how consuming this can be. So we have decided to just take a season of rest and my kids all absolutely love sports and everything that comes with it. And we do too. I mean, me and Justin both grew up doing competitive sports, but we are going to be in an all consuming season soon enough Because having, you know, all four boys in some kind of sports at some point, you know, probably year round. So before that time comes, I want to make sure that we just had some downtime to focus on our relationships and our family rather than the constant grind and hustle. And I want to encourage you guys. I mean, if you are in, you know, the kind of season that I'm in and you have younger kids, like them missing out on one season is not going to like ruin their shot for a scholarship, right? Like Noah missing his... Spring baseball season when he is, you know, seven years old, it's going to be fine. <laughs> like, we may miss out on spring baseball, but Justin can still take him to the batting cages. We can still go throw a ball around in the backyard. You know, we might miss spring soccer, but we have soccer goals in our backyard and we can have family games. It's fine, you guys. Seriously. Sometimes we are so go, go, go. And that is the expectation of the culture, you know, or we're depriving our children of like, what? No, I think that we can forget that we can actually enrich our kids at home. And, you know, the thing is, is that it's also expensive. So, I mean, this is going to be a finance episode we're about to head into here. So like, if you feel that pressure, like that you need to keep your kids in sports or whatever it might be like, take a season of rest and save some money and And remember (laughs) that, girl, you can enrich your own children at home. You have the knowledge base and the power to do so, right? So um, let's not fall into that trap. I mean, we absolutely love competitive sports. We love our boys playing. We love to watch. um, But it's, it's also okay to take a season of rest. So that is what we're doing. Spring 2020 is sim season to just own our own schedule. And I am so excited for that. All right, so let's hop into today's discussion. But first, y'all, if you're enjoying this content, hop on over to iTunes and rate the podcast and leave a review. It just helps me so much. I mean, y'all, I'm like literally sitting in my bedroom <laughs> just talking into a microphone. So um, I know that you guys are loving it just by your feedback, and I absolutely love reading, and I read every single review. And it also just helps reach more moms that might need some encouragement, you know, some grit, some grace, the whole message that we have going on here. And also, I have to share with you, (laughs) this is so random, but I have to share with you that I put a question out there this past week on our Legacy Through Motherhood community on Facebook about ideas to just connect with your spouse, and a girl on there said that they, her and her spouse play games with Alexa, like Amazon Alexa. I was like, wait, what? Did you guys know this was the thing that you can play like Jeopardy and beat the dealer? Who wants to be a millionaire? The price is right. Escape the room and whatever else. I'm like, seriously, who knew? <laughs> what a time to be alive. Date night at home with Alexa. We have not tried it yet, but I keep saying we're going to and we really need to. Anyways, if you are looking for a way to hang out after the kids go to bed, there you go. You're welcome. Thank you um, for who said that. I just don't want to put your name on here. <laughs> All right, you guys. Building wealth part two. Two, if finances are an area that you are really trying to get a hold of and you have not listened to my first two finance episodes, I would highly encourage you guys to just pause this episode right now, uh, head back to the honesty in your finances episode and listen to that first, and then listen to the um, building wealth part one episode before making your way back here to the building wealth part two. These episodes really do build on one another, so if you just jump in here, you're going to miss a ton of great info. So in the Building Wealth Part 1, we walked through the first three baby steps um, Dave Ramsey teaches about. I give you guys some simple ways to take action on these and left you with a challenge to really get the ball rolling on paying down some debt and being smarter with your finances and you need to get through those first three baby steps before you can really even start thinking about wealth building, and for two reasons. Number one, your income is your number one wealth building tool. The majority of millionaires are not trust fund babies, you guys, or lottery winners. They are everyday people like you and me that tell their money where to go instead of the other way around. But when you are in debt, you don't really have your income. I mean, or at least you don't have it working for you because you are making it and then you are giving it back to like Chase Bank or Toyota or Ford or Sally Mae or whoever else, right? Like it comes in and goes out. I mean, the, the very second it comes in, it's gone. So you need to work through those first three steps so that you can work towards your future with your income instead of literally paying for your past, And the second thing is, like I said in honesty in your finances episode, that having margin in your finances is a prerequisite to building wealth. So once you get those first three baby steps complete, now you are back to ground zero and you're ready to build. And the building wealth part one episode doesn't just list the first three baby steps. I really walk through how to make a plan. I work through some mindset issues that come up with each and every step, and then I just share some practical steps to take, you know, as you're working through each of those stages because you guys, Justin and I have done that too. And if you have listened to those episodes and are still working on, you know, baby step one, it's cool. Continue listening because I want you to know what is coming in your financial journey if you continue to stay the course. I want you to hear from someone who was where you were and needed to revamp her entire life and started Baby Step 1, and is now working towards paying off her mortgage and building wealth and giving abundantly just three years later, okay? Three years later. This is not like 15 years from now, you guys. This is like in the foreseeable future for you, I promise. And I'm about to list the Baby Steps, but I want you to keep in mind one thing if you aren't to these yet, and that is this. Don't give up what you want most for what you want right now. Guys, don't give up financial freedom for your family for some McDonald's and some Starbucks coffee. Don't give up a secure retirement for you and your husband for a $40,000 pickup truck right now. Don't sacrifice your kid's education if that's something that you really would love to contribute towards for a house that you never actually get to live in because you're too busy working to make the payment. Don't give up what you guys want the most for what you want right now. I said in my goal setting training on Facebook, our Facebook group a little bit ago, is that the most disciplined people are only disciplined because they can, they change their habits so that they are not constantly relying on their willpower. If target is too tempting, go somewhere else. If Amazon prime is your issue, delete the app. (laughs) Take away your impulse buys and downsize big purchases you can't actually afford. And then let's just do this thing. And then, and then, you guys, and then you get to rebuild with a firm foundation once you are done with those first three steps, okay? Okay, so baby step number four is invest 15% of your gross household income. Baby step five is to save for your children's college fund. Baby step six is to pay off your mortgage. Baby step seven is to build wealth and give. And we are going to talk through each of these. So grab some coffee and let's chat. I think this is going to end up being a little bit longer of an episode, but that's okay. I want to be really thorough for you guys because I I just, I don't want lack of clarity, lack of knowledge, lack of whatever the heck encouragement, you know, I don't want that to be like a stumbling block for you. So I know these episodes are a little longer, but they are for you guys. So I'm going to say something obvious just to point it out. Baby step four, which is retirement, comes before baby step five, which is your kid's college fund. So baby step four is focused on retirement. That comes before baby step five, which is your child's college fund. This is the order for a couple of reasons. First off, you can't get loans or grants or scholarships for retirement. Your children can get those, hopefully not the loans, but they can have, there are different resources and avenues for money for colleges or for just post-secondary, you know, education. So if they really want to go to school, then they can work (laughs) and they can pay it themselves and apply for scholarships and get grants and they can make it happen. There is no rule that says that it is your responsibility to save up and pay for every single dime of your child's college. That is not a burden that you need to carry. Um, Your retirement, and I'm not talking about retiring as a multi-multi-millionaire like you know, on some crazy beach house somewhere where you're like playing golf all day. I am talking about basic retirement where you will need enough to put a roof over your head and food on the table when you are unable to work any longer. And that time will come, you guys, like it's it's absolutely going to come. Some people think they're helping their children by, you know, putting away money for college and and ignoring their own retirement. But the truth is, is that when rubber meets the road and you have to retire and are no longer, you know, you no longer have the ability to earn an income for yourself. If you don't have a retirement at all and your children now feel the weight of that responsibility when they now have a family of their own, they have their own little kids, right? And now they have... I don't want to call, you know, us a burden to our children. I mean, good Lord, we've raised them their whole life, but you know what I mean? That is a lot to put on your children when they're in the midst of building their family. Um, if you don't have any kind of plan set up for yourself, if you are someone who has had a parent, you know, that doesn't have their affairs in order um, and that burden kind of falls on you, I'm sure that's not my situation, but I but I've heard stories just, you know, in different circles or groups that I'm in. That's a really hard thing to carry, right? So we don't want to be a burden for our children. We don't want that financial burden um, to kind of fall upon them. So we need to be responsible and take care of ourselves. And I'm not saying they shouldn't take care of you. They need to put you in a home. All I'm saying is we need to um, be responsible now for our life later, okay? And then our children's help at that time is really just supplemental, so I am talking about you being 70 years old with 20 years of life left to ho- hopefully ahead of you but for one reason or another you can't work any longer. Who is going to pay for your housing? Who is going to pay for your food and whatever else for those 20 years? You are because you are going to have prioritized your basic retirement funds, right? So how do we do this? Once you have no debt and have built up your 3 to 6 months of savings, you invest 15% of your gross household income. Number one, you really should start by contributing whatever your employer will match into your 401k. There is That's kind of I mean, a no-brainer because it's taking advantage of free money, so you'd kind of be silly to not take advantage of that. And then next, you should invest whatever percentage is left to invest out of that 15% into a Roth IRA. A Roth IRA just stands for Individual Retirement account. Okay. It's a retirement savings account that allows you to pay taxes on the money you put into it up front. And then the growth in your Roth IRA and any withdrawals you make after like 59 and a half are tax free. So there's not a huge tax penalty to take it out when you are older. And as long as you have had the account for more than five years, all those rules apply. And because you pay taxes on the front end, you get to really capitalize on the compounding interest throughout the life of the account with no tax taking out when you retire, like I just said. So to put this into perspective, if you put $30,000 in now, you are taxed on the $30,000 now. But in 30 years, when you pull it out and it's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, you get to take that money out tax-free and end up saving thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes. There's a lot of benefits to a Roth IRA that I won't get into into this or, uh, during this episode, but I will put a link that has so much information. It's like Roth IRA 101. Okay. It's in my show notes. So head over there if you are um, interested or you have some more questions about that. If you don't have an employer to match a certain amount with retirement, you can open a Roth IRA and you can just put 15% of your gross income in there by yourself. Okay. So now you are out of debt. You have three to six months of savings and you're being responsible, not selfish, and you are funding your retirement. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 talks about an ant to teach us a lesson on retirement. Okay. This is what it says. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Chris Hogan, who is one of um, Dave Ramsey's personalities, explains that verse I just read in this way. Food will not be around in the winter, so ants gather it beforehand. They plan for the future. And just like an ant, you need to put money aside now so you can enjoy the benefits of your hard work later. Waiting until you are 60 years old to start saving is just not the best option, so you need to start early. So then let's talk about baby step five, saving for your children's college fund. Oh, man. (laughs) How some of us would do things differently when it comes to student loans. Am I right? My goodness. I can't. They are just an, I mean, student loans are just an absolute nightmare, and I think in hindsight, many of us wish we would have just approached this whole situation differently now that we are staring down to what seems like, I don't even know, to be like an insurmountable pile of, of student loan debt. But here's the deal, real talk. You just have got to deal with them straight on. Lord, do I know how impossible they can seem, especially if you took out private loans on top of federal loans. And your income level doesn't really reflect what you thought that it might. And you guys, I can't even, I mean, it makes my heart hurt so much for so many people I know that are just drowning in student loan payments with no end in sight. And what's even worse is that student loans, you guys, are for life. This is why you need to just tackle them head on. You cannot settle them. You cannot file bankruptcy and have them wiped clean. You know, not that I'm like advocating for you to file bankruptcy for the other stuff. But my point is, is that once you've gone down that road of student loans, you guys, you will be a slave to them until it is paid off. And I'm not trying to discourage you, but I also also want you to understand the burden that going into debt for college carries. I know that some of you are unable to own your own home or even like the debt has pushed off your marriages. Or, you know, maybe you've, you're not able to quit a job that you hate to pursue your passion simply because of this weight of these loans. And it can be so depressing and stressful because the only way out is to put your head down, make tough choices and work like hell to play them off. I mean, really, they are not going away and they're not backing down. And I pray that things will change, that college can be more affordable and that the cultural stigma of You know, trades and other cheaper, more financially freeing options will continue to help people out from under the weight of this epidemic. But unfortunately, you guys, that's not the situation we are in right now. So head up, girl. (laughs) We got to push through and fight. And also, as a side note, and this could actually be an entirely different episode, but there are ways to work with some federal loans, you guys. Definitely look up the type of loan that you have and figure out what can help. For mine, they erased. Uh, almost $19,000 if I committed to working five years teaching in a low-income school in a high-need field. And I applied for this grant because I already knew I wanted to work in an inner-city school because I had an incredible opportunity during my student teaching to work at a school that happened to be considered low-income, and I fell in love, like completely in love with it. And since I'm a special education teacher, my field was considered high-need, so it was perfect. I will say, though, that the paperwork was an absolute... And it took filling it out 20 times across the better part of a year to get the approval and the forgiveness. But those options are out there if you are persistent. Also, if you do automatic payments, you can often get lower interest rates. So more of your payments go towards the principal. Bottom line, there are some ways to minimize the impact if you do some research in your field. So I would highly encourage you to take advantage of any and all avenues to help you just get through this balance faster. So my boys will absolutely not be getting loans for school. I don't freaking care what happens. Like it's just, it's not happening. They will absolutely not bring in this kind of debt. So many of us in this generation carry into relationships and we are not going to have them carry that in as a husband into a, into a marriage. Like it's just not, it's not going to (laughs) happen. No better do better. Right? So we are going to figure out another way. They will work hard and they will save and they will apply for grants and they will work during the summers and the school year, even if their friends are not, you know, as disciplined or whatever else, because we will teach them and show them the vision of how coming out of school with no debt can dramatically change the trajectory of their lives. And you guys, this is just going to be like a constant narrative from the time they are seven until they graduate. So it's just going to be like as natural as breathing that they would think, no, I would never like get a loan out for school, Right. But we also are going to be a safety net for them. And part of why we are so passionate about building wealth and staying out of debt is so that we can be in a financial position to save for our boys. We want to have the ability to prevent this obstacle from just completely overwhelming their life so that they can start off their careers and just focus on building wealth themselves and giving generously. And we have a 529 account for each of the boys that – We put money into each month. We have personally put like $100 a month per kid starting on their first birthday. And we don't have any desire to pay 100% of their college. We really believe that our kids need to work and they need to apply for scholarships or grants and be invested in their own education some. Plus, let's be real who knows if all of our four boys will even go to college or some kind of post secondary schooling. I don't know all of their passions at this point, you know, so we will likely stop contributing once they hit 10 years old and then just allow that money to compound. But the nice thing about a 529 account is that it is transferable between children. So if one has better luck with grants or one chooses a trade school that is cheaper, that money can be distributed however you choose, you know, for your kid's education. And there are other types of accounts that Dave Ramsey recommends, and I will put a link in the show notes also so that you can look through those if this is the stage you are in. And the way that I look at it is that I want our money, the money that Justin and I work hard to save, to be supplemental in our children's life. I have no desire, absolutely zero, <laughs> to give my children millions or even thousands and thousands even if we were you know made it to the point where we reach that level financially I want my sons to build their own life with their wife and to have a good work ethic and not rely on their parents money right I heard once like I can't even remember it now but it was basically the question like do you want your kid to have resources or do you want them to be resourceful it's kind of like a I think it might have been a it sounds like an entrepreneurial type thing right you can leave your kids millions of resources, and it can be a burden because they don't know how to handle it. Um, or you can make your kid resourceful, right? And they create their own wealth, their own life, their own, you know, they have some ownership in that. So we have no desire to just pass it on down. Now, with that said, it doesn't mean that we don't want to give them a good foundation if the means do exist. Proverbs 13:22 says, a good man leaves, his, leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. What we would personally just love to do for each of our boys is to be able to pay for about 50 to 60% of their education so they're not crippled with debt. We would love to help with a down payment for their first home. And that's it. (laughs) Nothing crazy, but it's definitely something that would really bless them and allow them to not have finances be a huge stressor on their young marriages. We have four kids though. Can you imagine the cost of the down payments and the college payments for all of them. That is a major driving force for our why and our finances and getting ourselves together. It just drives Justin and I to stay on top of our finances so that we have the ability and the choice to help our children with their future. And the truth is, maybe you have no desire to help your kids with school or a down payment, but wouldn't you at least like to have the option to help? If you really wanted to, I would. Now, if you are hearing me talk about that stuff and you are feeling like, man, <laughs> I'm super discouraged because you feel like it's just so far off from that ever even being a talking point for you and your husband, let me remind you. We started our debt snowball less than four years ago from the time of this recording. And uh, what is this? How it's March, March of 2020. And it is amazing what the focus and consistency and compound effect that snowball can do in a couple of years for your family. So don't be discouraged, you guys. Be encouraged that you can absolutely do this. In the next finances episode, I'm actually going to be like just laying it all out there and I'm going to talk about our downsizing journey because that is what was needed for us in our situation. So keep on grinding, find your inner grit so that you can build out that emergency fund, or stick with the snowball right now, or accumulate that three to six months savings, wherever you are, it takes discipline, but I promise you, I promise you so much it is worth it. Nothing worth having happens overnight. It just happens one single step at a time. So baby step six is paying off your mortgage. And this is pretty self-explanatory. You have no debt, you are, you know, you have your three to six months of savings in case something happens, your retirement Accounts are working for you and now you are investing in your kids' education consistently. First of all, let's all just stop if you were here and just congratulate yourself, yourself. Like getting to this step means you just did the dang thing, right? You got discipline, you were like fierce and in your decisions and have been laser focused on your future. It is a major accomplishment and it should not be glossed over. But Now is the time to sit up like a little bit straighter and stare down your mortgage and the balance that is left on that. The last thing between you and complete financial freedom. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having no mortgage to pay every single month? In my Facebook Live I did a while ago, my mom and I showed you the power of paying more principal on your mortgage and how you can jump ahead, I mean, months, five or six months on your um, amortization chart, just with like a single extra payment. You can bypass hundreds, if not even like thousands of dollars of interest with every single payment. Yes, please, right? If you are not in my community group, go on Facebook and just search for the Legacy Through Motherhood community with Stephanie Sims and join there to see some of these live trainings I talk about in these episodes. I think they're super helpful. Okay, now I have to address the big question people ask when they get to this step. And that question is this, should I really pay off my mortgage? (laughs) I thought that was the only good debt I could have so that I can continue to get that tax deduction. Okay, so I'm just going to give it to you straight from the mouth of Dave Ramsey because he gets this question all the time. So here's what he says, if you have the opportunity to pay off your home and you do not pay off your home in order to keep the tax deduction, that would be an indication that you are poor at mathematics. And it's a nice way of saying you are stupid and you believe that cultural lies that are out there. Always good for Dave Ramsey to give you like a kick in the butt, right? The cultural lie is to never pay off your mortgage because you will lose the tax deduction. So he goes on to say, and I'm going to put this example in the show notes, so... Let me help you with the mathematics on this. Let's use an example. Let's say you have $200,000 mortgage at 5% interest. If this is your personal residence and you do itemize, which only 27% of Americans who file taxes actually itemize, you can write off the interest portion of your payment on your personal residence. If you have a $200,000 mortgage at 5%, that would be $10,000. So we have a $10,000 tax write-off because we have a $200,000 mortgage at 5%. That is a tax deduction, meaning if that couple makes $75,000 a year and they take a $10,000 tax deduction, they don't pay taxes on $75,000. They instead now pay it on $65,000. And if you do this weird Dave Ramsey thing, though, and you pay off your house, you no longer pay taxes on $65,000 because you would not have that tax deduction. You're going to have to pay taxes on your full income. That's $75,000. You are in a 25% tax bracket if you make $75,000 a year. That $10,000 a year that we're talking about is taxed at 25%. By paying off your home, 25% of that $10,000 that you are going to have to pay extra taxes on is $2,500, right? In essence, you lost a $2,500 savings on your tax bill, but you gained $10,000 by not having to pay it to the bank. So a $10,000 tax deduction is the same thing as saying, I would rather give countrywide $10,000 than give the government $2,500. I'm not fond of giving the government money, but I think that's a pretty stupid trade. By the way, if you are so dumb that you think that giving countrywide, this is still Dave Ramsey, by the way, (laughs) not me telling you, you're dumb. If you think that giving Countrywide or Wells Fargo or whoever your mortgage company is $10,000 to avoid a $2,500 tax bill, you have flunked math in the third grade. That is stupid. I used to be that stupid. I believe that same mythology that a lot of you believe. Dave Ramsey's still here. Here's another idea. What if instead of a $200,000 mortgage creating a $10,000 tax deduction, you wanted to trade $10,000 and save 2500. Why don't you just give an extra $10,000 to your church or to the Red Cross? You don't have to be in debt $200,000 to trade 10,000 for 2500. You could just do that by increasing your charitable giving. Where where are all these financial sophisticates who are struggling or that are suggesting that a mortgage is somehow financially sophisticated? Where are these sophisticates when it comes to saying increase your charitable giving? It's the exact same mathematics as having a tax deduction on your mortgage. We live in a land of <laughs> doofuses. You know what? I should have probably read through this. <laughs> I love Dan Ramsey. Anyways, that's where they are. It is what is known and it is the blind teaching the blind. The stupid leaving the stupid and we've all been one of them. I'm not saying I'm above it. I've made these exact same mistakes. It was an old farmer in bib overalls who taught me that and I've got a finance degree. Apparently, I didn't learn much at that college, and apparently some of you CPAs didn't. If you're suggesting people keep debt solely because a tax deduction is somehow mathematically a good deal, y'all, it is not a good deal. Do not keep a mortgage to call yourself sophisticated. Bad plan. Now, if you've got a mortgage, until you get it paid off, for goodness sake, take the daggone tax deduction, but don't stay in debt telling everybody how smart you are. (laughs) Okay end quotes from Dave Ramsey. All right then. So one thing you can't say about Dave Ramsey is that he sugarcoats things, right? And if you need someone to shoot it to you straight, head on over to Dave Ramsey's podcast after you're done here um, or his website. You can pretty much Google anything on Dave Ramsey's website and find an answer to it, right? So there's that. Once you get to your mortgage, there's a huge debate on not paying it off or paying it off because of the tax deduction Like I said, I'm going to put that exact thing that I just read in my show notes so you can kind of look through the numbers yourself because uh, more than anything, you want to know why you're doing what you're doing or not doing what you're doing, right? All right, so let's kind of wrap this up and move to baby step seven, which is building wealth and giving. Oh man, how I cannot wait to be at this place. I really believe that this, that the building wealth and giving, this is where we are all truly meant to live. This is a small site of heaven that we get to experience here on earth, just being completely debt-free, building wealth, and giving abundantly. I mean, at this point, you can really begin to leave a legacy for your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids kids and kids, right, you can keep going. There was a church in our area that just paid off $46.5 million of medical bills in our tri-state area. $46.5 million in medical debt wiped away for 41,233 households, and they ran across 103 different zip codes. This is from a church who was able to give abundantly. And now most people are like in awe and just so, so thankful. Others are a little skeptical of the church and asking like, wow, I can't believe they had that much daggone money. Well, for one they worked with a nonprofit and basically for every $100 their congregation contributed, it wiped out $10,000 worth of debt. So they didn't pay 46 and a half million dollars. They paid I think what would that be like $46,500. But only God, you guys, can take $46,500 and turn it into 46.5 million, right? But what a blessing that was for those families. I was just telling Justin that we need to look into whatever that nonprofit was because that's amazing. And I would absolutely love to like, you know, do, well, not give that much money. <laughs> Maybe one day, but still, right? If every $100 equals 10000 sure. Like let's, you know, come up with a, an amount and help out there. So you also hear all the time about people paying off layaway items for Christmas or paying off lunch debts in schools. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I am like getting super hyped up about right now. And that's the way that we are supposed to be living, you guys. Like if you're, I know that not all of you guys are um, Christians or, um, you know, just active in your church and in that lifestyle, but like that is the what we were called to do. Like we are not called to be in debt. We are not called to be, um, you know, struggling with money all the time. Like we are called to be debt free and in financial freedom to be able to give and, um, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates are working to eradicate malaria. I mean, that type of philanthropy is where I want to get as fast as I possibly can. And I want to have each and every one of you on this mission with me. That is going to be generational change. And let me remind you guys, I am a stay at home mom. I have zero income. You guys, this podcast makes no money, right? This is just for you from me to you. Here's my love. Here's what I know. My husband does make a pretty good income now, but it's not always been what it is now. And we also did not receive any crazy amount of inheritance. We did receive some that helped towards a down payment for a house and after the deaths of our grandparents, but I would say they were pretty typical um, amounts, not like hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything. My point in this is that this is something that is attainable. It doesn't take extraordinary circumstances or winning, you know, a lottery ticket. It takes discipline and a plan and a vision. So you guys got this. If you are at the starting line, I was there not even four years ago and we were in way over our head and realizing that you have an issue is really just 80% of the solution. And now you just have to, you know, what do they say? Plan your work and work your plan. You will absolutely get here. The journey will look different for all of us, but it is so within your reach. And I want you to remember throughout this entire journey, it is so easy to beat yourself up or to be discouraged, but remember you are already enough just the way that you are. Dave Ramsey says, if you have made mistakes with money, do you know what that makes you? Over 12. (laughs) It makes you over 12. So take a deep breath because you are not alone. You are not stupid. you You are not any of those things. We all got sucked into this stupid consumer culture, and now we just have to work to get out and teach our kids about a different type of life. And if you want resources, um, mainly books, for whatever level you fall in from start to finish, listen to the Honesty in Your Finances episode because I list out resources for each stage you could find yourself in. If you don't have time to listen to the episode, just hop into the show notes for that episode, and all of my resource recommendations are listed there. All right, you guys, I'm going to leave you with one of my absolutely favorite verses. It's from Galatians 6:9, and it says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So don't give up, you guys. <laughs> you are fighting the good fight, and as you are getting your finances under control, Um, I just want to be here to encourage you. So if you have any questions, um, hop into the Facebook group, ask me. I would love to do a couple more live trainings. You can also hop over to Instagram at legacy underscore through underscore motherhood to stay encouraged or just receive continued training throughout your week. My sole purpose in this business is just to help you guys find your grit while completely covering you in grace. join me in the next episode as we sort of stick with the topic of finances, but it's going to be under um, the faith topic. A lot of you have been asking, how do people trust God with their resources? Like if I'm trying to get out of debt, how is giving away 10% to the local church going to help me and not hurt me? And do I need to give away 10%? I mean, people say like, well, God always provides, but like, what does that even mean? I got you, girl. We're going to dive into this next week and what this looks like, and I have some just amazing, amazing stories for you of our life where God not only showed up, but showed off big time, and in others' lives as well. So if you are on this financial journey and a believer, girl, hang on for the ride and tune in next week as we discuss how to trust God um, even when your family's livelihood is at stake, and I cannot wait.